Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Devin. Devin is a writer and an artist. She fell into a huge soul's hole. <laughs> soul's hole sounds terrible. I shouldn't use that word. Uh, she fell in love with Bloodborne and the Souls games over the course of 2018 and has not looked back. Uh, I think this is a, a really fun conversation that looks into why the characters and story in Bloodborne is so compelling and kind of why there's the the, the community around it that, that ships them and that writes fan fiction about them. And I just think it's a really interesting conversation. So without further ado, enjoy. Part of the story is that the I knew about Dark Souls because I work in games. I, I had encountered it and I had understood it to be a brutally hard and mean game that sounded like it was not for me at all whatsoever. So I paid it no mind for quite some time. Um, <clears throat> in 2014, my husband got PS4, which he called the Bloodborne box because he purchased <laughs> it in order to play Bloodborne. And the four hundred and fifty dollar video game. <laughs> exactly, it, it, it was that was all that was on the machine for quite some time. But um, so he started playing that, and I was like really intrigued by the aesthetic because, if I'm being completely completely honest, it's just like a little bit sexy to me. The sort of like dark fantasy horror, sure, um, Victorian Gothic look. Um, and so I would watch him play it, and I I was excited by it, uh, but still thought like I would never play this game because it just looks too mean, and it's it's not for me. Um, but there's the, the sort of like quintessential moment in Ian's my husband. So I might mention him a couple of times. He makes fun of me because I always thought the, like the, the weapon transformation and animations were really, really sexy. Like, like there's a tweet that he made to mock me where I like audibly gasped when he did the, um, sword cane transformation for the first time. And the hunter kind of like defiantly, you know, slams it to the ground and, you know, takes that pose and i was just kind of like oh so he he thinks that that was the moment that i actually became a bloodborne fan even though i didn't play bloodborne until this year um it was february i think yeah february yeah february and i was just sort of like going through the games on ps4 and i found it and opened it and was like i guess i'll finally try it and uh I never, my whole life was ruined in that moment. Just utterly annihilated. And I've never been the same person since, since I decided since to play Bloodborne. for myself. <laughs> yes. Um, I, one of the questions I usually ask on this podcast at the end is how has this, like, do you think that Bloodborne has changed you at all? So you, we already got that one out of the way. Oh, <laughs> so. God. I think I've become like 90% more insufferable because <laughs> everybody just sort of glances to me in like horror whenever something slightly or even just like tangentially related to bloodborne or dark souls is mentioned because they can like see me like perk up <laughs> she's gonna do it again we were at a, my wife and i were at a bar one time and um we were it was like a like a noodle bar like a faux bar and uh the bartender just like casually mentioned and we, we've known her for a while she just casually mentioned yeah i just started playing dark souls for the first time and like oh, i froze <laughs> and my wife just looked at like me and she was, freeze. And my wife just looked at me and just like started patting me it's like it's gonna be okay you don't have to go into you don't have to go all in <laughs> oh my god yes that's me i'm i'm that person 
I want to go back to the uh, weapon transformations for a minute because that's not something that we usually get into a, a lot of detail uh, into on the podcast. Uh, I, I like that's one of the f- my favorite parts of Bloodborne. Uh, specifically, like I remember the very first time that, that you turned the sword cane from the the whip to the cane, and he kind of just like your hunter just knocks it to the ground a little bit, like you were talking oh, yeah, about, and it's so good. good. Yeah. <laughs> what are your like? What are your other favorite transformations in the game? Um, that one and my other favorite, completely easy, is uh. Gearman's side, the burial blade. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I love everything about it. It's swoopy. It's spinny. I love how if you do the charge up attack, you sort of like pull it back with your other arm. Yeah. Just like these these details that make that make it. I again, I'm going to use the word sexy because I truly was just like really enamored with these animations because they seem just like slightly more <laughs> like not male gazy if that makes sense. They're they're not like overtly power fantasy masculinity like beat em up type animations. They're they're sort of like fluid and beautiful in a way that really sort of like got me. I think that uh like that's something that From Software is really good at. Like if you look at some of their bosses and things, uh, uh Lady Maria is a good example or even Orphan oh, of Cause is, is a good example of uh, you know, a humanoid or a human person or a hunter or whatever. Uh having that kind of fluid animation without it being sexualized in a way that a lot of like video games are mm-hmm. <laughs> for, 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 you know, for, because they just are because it sucks because the world sucks. That's actually one other thing that I immediately found appealing was, was my husband and I tends to play um, female characters in games and I tend to play male characters. So I don't know, but um, he was his hunter when he, I was watching him play was a lady hunter and I appreciated how like sort of, you know, gender neutral everything was in in terms of the animations, and then she she did not feel overtly sexy in in a way that um, you know video game tend video games tend to do to female player characters. Mm-hmm. And I liked that you could sort of be a woman in Yarnum and have it just be like almost like it didn't matter. It was the same as being a man in Yarnum. Everybody yeah. treats you like the same hunter. There was a really good troll in, in Dark Souls 2 when it came out on release where uh, you could just go get into a coffin and um, like you would just lay there. And there's that's kind of a relation to Dark Souls 1 where there was like a way that you discover something by just climbing in this like abandoned coffin, which is not a th- anything anybody should ever do. Um, <laughs> but in Dark Souls 2, they put it at the very beginning of the game and uh, you get out of it and you don't really notice that anything changed until you like take your armor off and you realize it was a sex change coffin and you've turned your, your warrior wow, to Yeah. And so like there were stories no of people idea. going halfway through the game and then like taking a bit of armor off and like, wait a minute, why do I have breasts? What is going on here? I made a dude. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny that Bloodborne, um, it does not lean into that kind of sexuality stuff, but it's, uh, because I'm so immersed into Bloodborne people nowadays that like everybody is just incredibly horny for everybody in Bloodborne and everything in Bloodborne, uh, like the fan fiction scene and people, you know, shipping characters with one another. Like without the game, like throwing all of that stuff in your face, it still inspires that kind of response in people. Which I oh think yeah, is really I mean, it's it gets me like that too. I, like, let's be clear, <laughs> I don't particularly know what it is, but I I, I will say that I was delight. I think. Um, I was delighted to find once I got into Bloodborne and went on the internet to find that I was not alone in thinking Bloodborne was pretty sexy. Um, I think honestly, if I'm going to be like a literature major about it, there's always been like, you know, a sexual undertone to stories about monsters and werewolves and, you know, vampires, like anything in that sort of horror genre is almost culturally always carries with it some kind of sexy undertone. And, um, 
Like I wrote like a paper on Dracula being really sexy when I was in college. So maybe this is just what I'm like, but I think Bloodborne does that even if it's not intentional or overt, but I think like the, the player response to me clearly signifies like, Oh, there's something about this game that, that is, you know, tainted with horny, if you will, <laughs> which, which I love. I adore it. <laughs> tainted with horny, the Bloodborne story. I should have changed yep. the name to this po- of this podcast to tainted with horny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of fascinating because uh, as you, it's such a murderous and like bloody game and you kind of most of the way through it, you don't really have any idea of what you're doing or why you're doing it. You just know like, Oh, there's enemies in front of me. I'm going to go kill them. Now there's a boss and now I'm in a weird level. Like I, I don't really mm-hmm. know. It's not until kind of the midpoint of the game that you start understanding a little bit of what's happening. And uh, that, that's kind of fascinating to me that the souls games have always been good at that, good at that, but bloodborne for whatever reason just grabbed me a lot more in with, with that kind of narrative with like kind of why am I killing all these weird werewolves and then all of a sudden like oh there's a weird cosmic spider in a lake what what is happening yeah <laughs> you know horrible skeleton creatures falling out of the moon yeah <laughs> when that happened I had to like save the clip and I made my wife come in I was like you got to watch this intro this is the raddest thing ever I've ever seen oh, that was actually another I was when I was watching Ian play that was another moment where I was like I love this game even though I'm not playing it when he did the one reborn mm-hmm. and the whole blood moon cutscene plays and it's just like wow this is really something else you mentioned that at the very beginning that you work in games like if you don't mind me asking what kind of work do you do oh um i i sort of still work in games i worked at riot for a long time as a um sorry narrative designer Mm -hmm. so i like made characters for league of legends and i defined their personalities and their voiceovers and stuff like that and now i work um in animation actually oh okay uh i'm a writer on a show on netflix oh nice awesome are you? I'll plug uh, it at the end. That's fine. Are you sneaking any Bloodborne references into your <laughs> work now? Seriously, and I, I was going to say this at the end, but I'll just like um, there's actually my boss being as kind as he is allowed me. There's in the, in our show there's little end credit sketches. So if you watch the end credits, sort of like there's four or five little drawings that relate to the, the episode. Um, in one episode, I pitched and got to have a end credit that is a dark souls reference oh nice i was very happy that my you know i was allowed to just spread my extreme love onto (laughs) my tv show that's awesome I always get excited when I see uh, any sort of Dark Souls reference in, in anything. I was playing Guacamelee. I would love to shove more. In. <laughs> <laughs> just do the Bloodborne cartoon that we've all been craving. God, you know what? If just someone give me funding and give me the, the rights from Soft, I promise not to make it too horny. <laughs> not too horny. It's Actually, I'm, I'm curious. Like off the top of your head, like what would be your if you like had that opportunity? What would what, what story do you think you would tell? Like where where would you place it in the universe? Oh my God, it's really hard because I actually. Like I love, I love Bloodborne and the Souls games because the storytelling in them is so, like I, I want to say detached, but it's at the same time very very vivid. Um, there's they're they're visceral and engaging, but they're not a linear sort of like character driven narrative, and I think that can only work in a video game. So like when asked like oh if I got to make like a Souls TV show or a script of any kind. It's actually pretty challenging up front just to think about like what I would want to do because it's tough, I think, to to extract from the Bloodborne or Souls universes a linear narrative. But one one thing that I would love to do um, 
there's there's sort of like the marauders of bloodborne to me that's harry potter the marauders were like the previous generation where it's like Gascoigne and henrik and um you know even eileen i think could could partially be involved and mm-hmm. uh jura before he sort of like goes a little nuts and before he goes all jura with a gun yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i think there's like a lot of interesting just like prequely that are prequely vignettes or little narratives that can be told about them and like everything that was sort of going down literally right before the beginning of Bloodborne. And I think that that would still feel rooted in the story, but not, not like disruptive enough um, to what the game story is. Uh, Cause you meet these people when they're sort of at the end of their ropes. Oh yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. Pretty, they're all done. They're all, they're all just completely over it, but it just like, like rewinding a little bit and telling sort of like, how they unraveled to quite where you meet them, I think to me would be, I love sad stories. So obviously it would all be very sad, but that, I think that's where I would start. So listeners, you know what to do. Just write to from software <laughs> request. Yeah, it just... to, to a store. No, to, to, I'm just kidding. Please don't do that. <laughs> I'm a, I want to kind of rewind back a little bit and go to mm-hmm. like when you actually started playing Bloodborne, cause you mentioned that you were kind of intimidated by the reputation dark souls had. And then uh, watching your husband play, you were like, Oh, this is, this is way too difficult. Uh, how did you how did you actually find the game to play when you finally started playing? Well, for Bloodborne, I think I'd watched him play enough that I sort of, at least in my brain, I knew the rhythm. Um, I knew it was fast. I knew sort of like a little bit about hitboxes just visually because I'd seen him play. So I think like I cheated a little in having... It's, it was almost like I watched a Let's Play before jumping in. Um, but I, it was... It's not what I thought it was. It was... The, and this is a tangent that I go on now, like literally every time someone will listen to me about souls <laughs> games in general is that the, the, the way that they're sort of presented by certain part of their player base and their fans is that they're these like brutal, cruel, like intentionally kind of laughing at you. They just want you to suffer. And if you can't put up with it, you're not good enough type of a game. And so that's what I thought I was getting into, but honestly what I found, and this is, more of a tangent about Dark Souls 1 than Bloodborne. Um, but but in general, I find that they're really, like, not that. Like, they're brutally difficult and they're, like, challenging in ways that other games are just not. Like, most games don't force you to, like, struggle through the same zone 80 times because you died to one ball of snakes, you know? Like, <laughs> it's... But, but the sense of accomplishment in these games and the sense of, like discovery and exploration and like wonder i think is just so strong that to me and i know this isn't true of everyone to me it like thoroughly and completely overrides the the like difficulty level and also just from a game design standpoint like once you kind of undo your brain to to stop thinking about death as like a an absolute failure um and think about death as learning i think like they become less frustrating and Honestly, my husband says they're like really relaxing to him now because, you know, oh, you died. You just got to, you know, measuredly go through the level again, get back to where you were and then continue to do what you were doing. And I don't know, like we both kind of ended up in that place where it's it it's just you, you flip your expectations on what what death means in a video game and you're completely fine. It's um it's fascinating that you say that because I've had the same experience, like playing Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Uh, has kind of taught me just to not care about dying in other games for for the most part. So 
um and really in, in most other games like the punishment for dying it isn't that really like severe anyway like you know the progress that you make in a, a souls level it feels like almost physical like i have this is my territory now and then you die like oh i gotta yeah. go get that territory back uh whereas in something like you know and i'm not gonna name any games but like in, in other games it feels like oh i can just run right back over there and i just have to like do the thing better um i mean in in bloodborne uh, in souls games in general like unlocking shortcuts i feel like is is their version of saying like oh you just run back to where you were like you you've mm-hmm. cleared the zone so now you just run back to your where you were where in bloodborne you unlock a shortcut and you can skip a majority of like the things you've killed before unless you you know want to go farm them or whatever but so that like sort of workaround feels like the same reward but but more meaningful you know absolutely if that makes sense. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, Bloodborne, I think, does, and, and Dark Souls 1 kind of is famous for, is just the, the absolute pleasure you get at a shortcut of realizing, like, oh, these two points are physically close yeah. in space, and I had no idea that that was possible. Oh, yeah. In Dark Souls, that was sort of magical. But I knew, like, going into Dark Souls that the level design was, like, legendary, but it was so much more than I even thought it could possibly be, but... It's hard to overhype because, <laughs> like, the first time you uh, you find that elevator in the parish down to Firelink Shrine, you're like, "Holy shit! Like, what? How did this happen?" And then, you know, coming out of Blight Town uh, oh and, and coming yes. back to Firelink Shrine and going like, "Oh my god! Like, everything is connected." <laughs> Dark Souls, like, like just to ramble slightly more on my previous point about, you know, Dark Souls is the origin of get good in gamer lingo, and Dark Souls is just like the 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 flexy sort of like fist poundy only the the good gamers play this game and and like it it has that that reputation and i think like just to be really self-indulgent for a second uh solaire as a character i encountered him on the internet as sort of like this dude bro like manifestation of that almost like i i had this perception that this this guy was this like like the the game version of a eye rolly fist bump in a bar and it's just like i he just seemed obnoxious the way that the internet treated him and so going into dark souls i thought it was going to be like that and it's it's just this beautiful sort of poignant quiet restrained experience though like there's nothing about dark souls that really wants to dunk on you ever and in fact like most of the time dark souls really wants to encourage you and it's like thematically about lights and darkness and like fire and you know encroaching evil and stuff like that and so to me like the 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 juxtaposition of what i thought dark souls was versus what it actually is is sort of infuriating and i like go on tangents online about this all the time where i'm like you need to stop pretending dark souls is this mean flex game where it like just wants to hurt you because it's not and it loves you actually (laughs) so that's that's my soapbox and solaire's kind of exemplary of that i think because like you meet him and he's just so gentle and so friendly and so like possibly has a crush on you. And I just like literally lost it because I couldn't handle just how different this was than what sort of like games had made me think it was. Yeah. The, uh, the, the the gaming press around Dark Souls has always been, and the, really the, the the marketing around it has always been, especially once you get to Dark Souls three, um, mm-hmm. You know, this game is is harder than anything you've ever done, and you know it'll it'll beat you senseless and all of that stuff. And uh, that's not really like in Dark Souls One. Once you get the controls down, like there's difficult things, but 
you know, like it's it's such a like just looking at HP pools, like this is something that I complain about all the time. But the difference between, you know, Dark Souls one's uh, Taurus Demon having like you know like six hundred health or, or whatever the number is, and then the first boss in Dark Souls three having like ten times that, and it's just. Like it feels like they leaned into it, where that was not the thing that I was enjoying about Dark Souls One at all. Like I would, it was very much that considered gameplay and like the very understated characters and the kind of weirdness and like mysticalness of the whole thing. If that makes sense. Yeah, it, it's I I have sort of I've only I haven't beaten Dark Souls Three. I'm stuck on Freed or Lady Freed, mm. sadly. But um, I like I said, I think Dark Souls One is this like sort of. <laughs> I'm, I'm like really romantic about it. I think it's like this deeply romantic, tragic, like beautiful, poignant story and setting. And then I, I do, I, I do agree that I think like two, which I also didn't finish, I actually rage quit two, two and three. I think lean a little heavier on the the like brutal and edgy factor that I think like fans projected onto the original game, which works and doesn't work in different ways, but it is what it is. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> How long did it take you? Because you first started playing Bloodborne. Like, what was the kind of time between playing and finishing Bloodborne that you decided to go back to Dark Souls One? Was it just the remaster coming out? So it was right yep, there on PS4. It was exactly that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I played Bloodborne for like months and months, and then I don't remember exactly when Dark Souls came out. But I, I again, I assumed I wouldn't. I was like, oh, it's sort of just like you know, the aesthetic's not there. There's no like guys in tight leather jackets and three-cornered hats it's just not going to be for me and then it absolutely was and within like a couple months i was making like spotify playlists that made me think about dark souls so. <laughs> that's awesome what's on your spot just have to like make like one song off your spotify playlist if you don't mind i'm just oh, curious jesus um province by tv on the radio You wouldn't think it because it's not like frowny and mean. It's very uplifting. But um, yeah, I have a habit of that. Interesting. I like that a lot. Um, so before we go down the Dark Souls path, I'm uh, I'm curious. You you had watched your husband play a bunch of it um, of Bloodborne. Did mm-hmm. you were you able to pick up on kind of the 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 way that the narrative was told, like the the way with item descriptions and like the random lore markers that you find all around, uh, and then like put together a story, or did you go like outside of the game to try to find resources for that? Um, I picked up on bits of it, and I knew I absolutely was in love with Mikolash because I watched him do that boss fight and was just like, I cannot believe that this weirdo is the only one having fun in this entire (laughs) city. He is just having a blast. And everyone else you've met, like I also love Alfred like to absolute death. I cannot stop drawing him, but like the the contrast between like all these other people that you meet in Bloodborne and then Mikolash is just like gleefully running around, (laughs) jumping through mirrors is just like, it's so delightful and it's so funny. And I just, I, I love him. He's wonderful and terrible. But um, as far as the story went, I, I, I had more latched on to the characters than, than like the, absolute, the, the, the real narrative of what was going on, just because 
I didn't watch him play it all the time. I kind of jumped in here and there. Um, and so I was just like, oh, it's that guy again. It's the nice guy, Alfred. He's so friendly. And oh, it's, <laughs> Whoops. you know, Eileen, she's so cool. She's like your mom. She's like babysitting you. Yeah, we, uh, we, we call her Crow Mom on the podcast because of Crow someone. Crow Mom. It's absolutely, yeah. I yeah. have all these like headcanons about my poor desperate hunter, like crawling back to her. Like something bad happened, Eileen, and I hate it. And she's just like, tough shit, kid. <laughs> and then pats you on the head anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember the guest that, that it may have been um, episode sixty nine, uh, which was a, a weird episode nice. where people just talked about um, shipping Lady Maria <laughs> or being in love with Lady Maria. Um, oh yeah, I think everybody she's everyone's wife. Absolutely, and yeah. But Alfred uh, is everyone's husband. I want to say it was that husband. episode where they said they wanted Eileen and um, and someone else to just go like live on a farm and raise chickens for the rest of their lives and like get out of Yarnum and just have a happy ending because there's there's no happy oh, endings God. in Souls games. Like hardly anybody ends up with a smile. Say, Jura, I want Jura to get out of it okay. Sure, yeah. I think he deserves to get off that tower and stop shooting people. And, and someone needs to give Garmin a break. Like, like that dude's been through a lot. <laughs> yeah. Some of his own devising. Creep, but... so. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I always like to see where people fall on the Garmin divide because he's, he's, he can be so creepy in game. Um, but there's quite a few people that, are, that I've talked to that are just huge fans of him. So. I generally like him. I, I think it's he's... The divide on him is fascinating. You know, he's like the sort of creepy old man, specifically with the doll. And, yeah, you know, that whole thing squicks me out quite a bit. But I do like when he's like asleep and murmuring about Lawrence and whatnot. I'm just like, oh, man, someone's got to like stop this whole this whole thing. <laughs> Poor guy. Did you, uh, I'm guessing no, because they don't really have any like characters or anything. But did you go through all of the chalice dungeons or get into any of that stuff? Um, I did most of them. I can't remember I think Dark Souls came out, which is probably why I stopped. Sure. <laughs> um, but actually, I'd, I'd watched Ian do a whole bunch of challenge dungeons, so I'd like sort of got weirdly more of a him just telling me about like, oh, these are extra bosses, and this yeah. is, you know, the Queen of Yarnum or whatever. Like, oh, that's red. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they hide that boss very, very deep in the um, <laughs> the. In, in, it's in interesting that you like encounter her in the main game, but. She's a sort of yeah, hidden hidden thing. I don't know uh what um convention or anything it was, but did you see that tweet that was running around of the the cosplay that someone did of Queen Yarnum and it's this incredibly tall woman? I just, did, yeah. Oh it's my just God. like the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Man, terrifying. I just it's so terrifying <laughs> with the blood so and everything. Cool. Very otherworldly, which I really like and to to see people like dress up in something completely strange like that. So. God, Bloodborne cosplay is like I think to me the raddest thing ever because like I I casually like to draw mm-hmm. and so like um, again my husband makes fun of me it sounds like we have a terrible relationship I keep saying he's my husband makes fun of me, but it's loving but he he makes fun of me because I have chosen actually I didn't I wasn't drawing anything for like six years I'd stopped sort of like this casual hobby and then I suddenly like he said like did Bloodborne change your life and yes in that I now cannot stop drawing Bloodborne characters but I've chosen a, a fandom in which all the characters have like just meticulously obnoxious outfits and so there's like 80 buckles on the hunter's stupid <laughs> chest piece and just like uh, it, it's so painstaking to like try to get it right but i think like for cosplay that must be even more of a challenge obviously because you're physically making the thing so every time i see bloodborne cosplay i'm just like oh it's it's a masterpiece it's perfect it's beautiful yeah a friend of mine has been on the show and um 
but yes, two people that have been on the show, one dressed up like Beagle Lash recently, which was incredible. Oh my God. Um, the whole How cage and everything. And she was doing like sexy Miko Lash <laughs> pictures and it was hilarious. Um, God. but Michaela, uh, is, who was also, has also been on the show. She does like, uh, makeup tutorials on YouTube and does like also souls lore videos, which I find a really interesting combination. And, uh, she did a full like Lady Maria tutorial with like the working Rakuyu and the, the whole nine. Oh my God. Yeah. To watch that. Yeah. I'll send you a so link for cool. that. But yeah, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I look at. I'm like, oh man, like that is so cool. I could never do that. Cause I am, I'm, I'm, I, this like podcasting is basically the only art quote unquote that I do. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I just find that just fascinating. Like, I, I love all that stuff. I love that, like, Souls and, I mean, specifically Bloodborne, since that's the one I've been the most invested in. Like, the fandom is so multifaceted. And it's people who like to draw, people who do cosplay. And it's just, like, such a, a really, really diverse group of people that came together over over Bloodborne, of all things. And it's, it's like I said, it surprised me, because I thought I was just being a super weirdo about this game. And <laughs> I went on the internet and was like, oh, no, everybody's super weird, and everybody's, like, really in love with alfred because of course they are because of course they are that's, yeah that's that like, yeah it's, it's not just me people ask me sometimes to describe the show like who do you like who do you ha- what, what kind of people do you have on it and i'm like like it's just anybody that likes bloodborne which is literally everybody <laughs> like every single yeah, type of person like, there's something yeah. there's something for everyone <laughs> um so going into dark souls one like obviously there's a a big adjustment with uh, like the combat timing and things like that. And like, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, the, the aesthetic and the story, but you, you said it kind of grabbed you right at the beginning. Like, was there, was there a process to go through? Like, did you have to have an adjustment period? Um, a little bit. Cause I think like I, I naturally just am better at bloodborne cause I, I appreciate the sort of like fast reaction times and the lack of a block button. And you just sort of like, I think like just as a, as a, video game player in general my my stupid instinct is to play cautiously so i just try to dodge all the time like no matter what it is i'm playing and in bloodborne that actually works out to your advantage that's what the game wants you to do but in dark souls i had to get used to using a shield which didn't like at first i really just wanted to roll around and the game's like nah, you have a weight limit and i'm like (laughs) but i did get used to it and ultimately i got the um what's it called the life hunter scythe Oh yeah, Priscilla. Um, which you can kill yourself scythe. with, which yeah. is really delightful. But that kind of was eventually quite broken. So I was super just ripping through bosses by the end of the game. But but yeah, I, there was an adjustment period. I still I still super prefer Bloodborne, and I in Dark Souls three I actually like am terrible because I got that sword that you get from the Watchers, um, and it has like this really anime special attack and it just like makes me bad at the game because I just want to spin around with my huge sword and I just get killed every single time. But I'm like, I look so cool, but I shouldn't press that button literally ever. <laughs> I'm playing a, um, I, I hate using the term souls like, but it's, it's kind of just like mm-hmm. in the, in the, in the parlance of our times, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But it's basically like um, dark souls with guns. It's called immortal unchained. And uh it got like oh, I've been hearing a bit about that. Yeah, it got trashed in the in the gaming press, but I'm having a real like I'm 20 hours deep, and it's like giving me those vibes of, you know, like that Dark Souls one, like afraid to step forward. You have no idea what's you can possibly expect because anything could happen. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. You've got your shield up, and you're just like kind of inching forward. Yeah, yeah. But to kick you off whatever precarious ledge you're walking on, yeah. But I just got this uh, giant hammer as a melee weapon, and now like it does a huge amount of damage, but like. 
every time I try to use it, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting better, but it was one of those things where I had to completely adjust because every time I just want to go and smash things now. And I'm like, there's also yep. like 10 dudes around me. And I'm like, oh, I don't have the stamina to smash all these things. <laughs> Need to- I really like to watch people in Bloodborne like get the Kirk hammer for the first time and have go through the exact same thing where they're just like, oh, I want to just <laughs> run up and hit stuff with a hammer, but it's so slow. <laughs> Hammers are so satisfying. I, f- I feel like that's true with like any video game nowadays because I, I thought the hammers in the uh, Monster Hunter world were really satisfying to use, and I love I love a big, huge fuck off weapon in Dark Souls. So, so that's that's kind of usually my go to and things. I'm kind of the opposite. Like I tend to really like the sort of faster, smaller things. Like my whole first Bloodborne playthrough was uh, Saw Spear. Okay, and that kind of suits. It's it's a bit heavier, I think, than like a. a whip cane sword cane mm-hmm. but still lets me be quick and fast because i think like I, I guess like the the sword that i have in dark souls 3 i forget what it's called i haven't come back in a couple months but it it's a heavy weapon disguised as a fast weapon which is why it, it's terrible for me because it's like big and slow and the animations are slow but i feel like a cool anime guy like rolling around with it so i just get devastatingly owned by everything that looks at me but i'm like but i looked cool though so I shouldn't use that sword, but it does. It's my aesthetic. <laughs> did you finish all of, of Dark Souls 1 and did all the DLC? Like, did you go through that yes, entire game? I, I thoroughly I destroyed it. And I started a new game plus pretty quickly because I just kind of missed it because I went through it pretty quickly. Um, yeah, it really messed me up, man, as a person. <laughs> it was <laughs> just so... so... Well... The story, again, just, I always latch on to characters, and I was really excited to meet Solaire because he's Alfred's voice actor. It's just like, it's my boy. And I didn't know anything about him. Like I said, I thought he was just this idiot dude bro because the internet convinced me he was. And so, like, I play the game, and I'm sort of, I'm sort of like, romanticizing it hugely, which is justified in Dark Souls um, because he actually sort of flirts with you halfway through the game, which just exploded me into many pieces. Mm-hmm. And... I was so invested in like finding Solaire and hanging out with him that my husband actually intervened. Um, <laughs> he's like, like he was legitimately worried for my mental health that like I could, I absolutely could not progress in the game unless he told me how to save him. And so he did. He And I was like, there's no way I can just like stumble onto being able to save him it's not like a thing you would naturally do and he's just like absolutely not there's no, no not way there's not in a million go. years <laughs> so he had me you know go farm a million humanities and give them to a spider and like kick down a wall and kill some bugs and i i didn't know what i was preventing i had no idea and he just was like this will devastate you like you'll stop playing the game and i really want you to finish it so i did <laughs> and i saved him and then he showed me on YouTube the actual video. <laughs> like completely, he was right. He was right. I would have stopped playing. <laughs> if you had to kill your best friend, oh you would have. You would have. <laughs> I would have been so sad. And uh, like the thing that <laughs> I'm getting all messed up thinking about it. The thing that like completely made me lose it is he starts going, "I've done it. I have." And it's just like that's the same line that Alfred says in the stupid vile blood queen chamber. And yep. I just, I feel like that was done by the universe specifically to upset me. Like. Whoever put both those lines on both those characters was targeting me as a human to make me upset. I've, so. al- I've always thought that um, Alfred as a character was a, um, 
just a maybe not a troll but like a almost like a inside joke for dark souls players that had played it because it's the the same voice actor as solaire uh, he kind of so act friendly. he he's so friendly at the beginning and then he has that huge twist and you find him like completely crazy just like you would find solaire in the bad ending and yeah i feel like that's just kind of like a yep we did it again you, you really like yeah, this guy extremely we, rude we it's made extremely him crazy. rude i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah but this time it's just him and it's not like a bug <laughs> it's just yeah. like that but yeah it's great i think if i ever like it's a good thing daniel flynn's not on twitter because i might be weird about it but, <laughs> but yeah sorry sorry daniel <laughs> that's that's awesome yeah, you, you kind of kind of have to be careful because you know I'm sure that they have no idea. Like, I'd be curious if you know that dude actually had played through the games or anything. So, or like looked at literally anything everyone's drawn for his characters. Like, I'm really sorry, dude. I'm so sorry for <laughs> like this. But go to Ao3, type in the word Alfred as a tag. And oh, just have do a, it. Have it's a good time. Just <laughs> <laughs> spend all day in bed and just have have a good time. Oh man. Um, you mentioned earlier that you kind of rage quit Dark Souls too, and I, I want to talk a little bit about that. Like, what did you? Were you? Where, when did you play that? Like after you finished Dark Souls one, um, and you were craving I more content. Was, yeah, I got it in my brain that I wanted to play two before three, and Ian was like, "You, you really don't have to," and I was like, "Do it." Um, and it's possible that I'm that I'm wrong about this, and I really should go back to it at some point. But um, how far did I get? Uh, I want to say like ten or fifteen hours in, mm-hmm. and. The conclusion that I came to was that Dark Souls 2, in a lot of ways, is exactly what everyone had convinced me Dark Souls 1 was, in that like everything about it seems more intentionally knife-twisty and mean and, and frustrating in ways that aren't actually encouragement disguised as frustration. Um, and what I had done, and I, I had accidentally turned some stone people back to humans that I didn't need to, and I was out of little twigs, and so I had inadvertently made a boss harder for myself because I had turned the wrong stone person back to human. But I don't... Maybe you know what I'm talking about? There's like one where you can turn on some lights, which actually makes... Yeah, the... Um, it's not the Pursuer. Uh, it's the uh, the last center, the lost center. Some, one of the centers. <laughs> Down like... Yeah, you, something yeah, like yeah. that. And, and she was really like... I feel like maybe if I had just stuck with it, I could have beat that boss because she was a bit like a Bloodborne boss. But... I just got mad because I was like, oh, I missed a boss, but I can't do it because I've used these items wrong and there's no way around it. And there's no way I would have known that unless I'd read about it. And I I don't know, like in some ways, I I think like a lot of people can make the argument that like Souls games are designed for you to look up guides and they're collaborative in that fact. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I just felt like it was a little bit too muddled and a little bit too punishing and, you know, like literally the whole game is based is designed to like continually harm you the more you die. (laughs) I don't know. It was just, it was everything that I didn't want dark souls to be, but, but I did, I love Luca Teal. I wanted to help her, but. Oh man. Luca Teal has such a sad story. Like uh, there's. Oh good. I love those. Yeah. Yeah. Given (laughs) my track record. (laughs) There's been people uh, that have guessed it. that get like super emotional about Luca Teal just because as you, and I don't know. If, I don't know if you want me to just, like tell you this or not. But as you go along, she just kind of continually loses more and more of herself um, in a way that, like, if you have anybody in your family that, or your, your friends that have experienced like Alzheimer's or any kind of senile, you know, um, dementia or anything like that, like it's very reminiscent of that. So, like, here's this this character who is really interesting and has like this really cool look, and then just continually loses herself throughout the game. Like every time you meet her, she's more and more gone, and you're like, oh, geez, this is gonna break my heart. Yeah, I. I definitely need to go back. I think I just, I I wasn't, I was so high off Dark Souls that I think it just like 
kind of kicked me a little too hard. And I was like, <laughs> it's, not, it's not the same. You and, so you and everybody Souls. else on the internet when Dark Souls 2 came out, because that game got... <laughs> the Dark Souls community did not respond to that game very well. <laughs> and I've heard, like, like a lot of my friends say some of the DLC in Dark Souls 2 is, like, some of the best Souls content. So I do I, I do want to force myself back through it. But I have to... I, I will know going in this time what, what I'm getting myself into. Yeah, the, uh, that game just showers you with Souls. And, uh, I mean, it kind of prevents you from grinding, but, like, if you... Like if you just I, what I, the way I play that game is just to overpower myself like crazy. Like I just I just go all you just in. Farm and, a lot early on, or yeah, yeah, pretty much. Just get like because you can farm the early like forest castle area and get titanite shards. And like so, by the time I leave that area, like I usually have two weapons at like plus four or something to to, to leave out with. And, uh, I'll just like look up a guide that'll make sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure like there's some YouTube like how to get overpowered in Dark Souls in ten minutes kind of video out there somewhere. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that's probably what I need. Did you ever uh, go back and play Demon Souls? No, I really want to. I, I'll either, you know, pick it up on PS3 or whatever. Or do you think they'll ever like master it, kind of like Dark Souls? Oh man, I, that's been that's a that's a huge question. Like, I'm, and I go back and forth on it because uh, I feel like if they could have done it, like with all of the weird rights and publishing rights that that game has, because um, it was published by like four separate companies across the world. Oh, the does globe. it really? Yeah. Um, I feel like if they could have fixed that by now, they would have already done it. Um, but then there's all these rumors that um, oh, I can't remember the company. Is it Blue Point that did the Shadow of the Colossus remake for Sony? Is that the company that did that? Doesn't I'm matter. Not sure. But whoever, yeah, whoever the, the company that did that is apparently has a huge project in the works of a similar kind of scale of Shadow of the Colossus, and like everybody thinks that that's Demon Souls. But I just, Ooh, yeah, but like I, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, like, I'm really interested in it. I know almost nothing about it beyond, like, it's cool. <laughs> and will be more of the thing that I now crave in my blood. So I think you would, uh, the characters there, I think you would get a real big kick out of them. Just kind of having talked to you throughout this episode. Uh, like, if you were really interested in stories that have, or in characters that have kind of sad backgrounds and, and sad stories and, like, the, the that are very compelling for that, that Demon Souls has you covered. Like, it's full of stuff like that. Oh, man. Yeah, because I need like more things that just completely devastate me in, in my life. Yeah, that's, <laughs> of course. That's what that's what Bloodborne and Dark Souls have done. <laughs> <laughs> completely devastated you. Good, excellent. How far did you get into Dark Souls three? Um, I've I'm at. Oh, you said freed, right? So you, you're pretty deep into it. Yeah, I think I'm actually done with the main game aside from the last boss because I like extinguished the pyre or whatever. The um, the everything went dark. Sure. And I combined all the friends into a. Super friends. Fire. <laughs> Super fire. Um, so then I went to go do the DLC and I got stuck. But yeah, so that's that's where I'm at. I, I want I want to finish it, but I got distracted. And she's really hard. Oh my god, that fight. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's um that's kind of the culmination of of. I just got I got real worn out with Dark Souls three, especially with the DLC, because you know three phase boss fights and um in the second DLC there's there's there was an enemy that like i hit in the face once and it just like has like a, a hair's width of hp fell off the bar and i was like am i doing it wrong and oh, i looked no. it up and i was like oh no no you just actually have to do this for you know 10 or 15 minutes straight and i've, I've talked to people wow. who do like no hit runs or fist only and you know they're doing one or two damage per and i'm like i just i get it like I, you want to you want to have that challenge you want to have that feeling of satisfaction but is it just not what i'm looking for in souls whatsoever so. yeah i mean i really like it, it she she each phase of the fight feels very Bloodborne inspired. It's just the the length of it and the the 
you know, if I just press that stupid button one time, I end up taking a lot of damage that, you know, cool sword spin that I want to do. <laughs> just let yeah. me do my anime. <laughs> just let me be anime. Come on. Dark. Come on. You gave me the button. Are you telling me I shouldn't press it? Well, but, uh, like having played all these games and especially relatively recently, because uh, you, you said you started this year, right? I, yeah, yeah, really. I just sort of devoured them. This this whole year has just been like, oh, now I'm a Souls person. That's just... <laughs> That's, I'm just going to be the like, Souls Everybody person. around me has had to suffer because now I am like this all the time. Well, uh, what do you want to see them make next? Like, we've got uh, their weird VR experiment, which um, is, I'm really excited for because it looks like a kind of a return to their some of their older style games. Um, and then there's Sekiro's coming out next year, and that looks like kind of a, a return to like their Tenchu style games where it's kind of stealth oriented and it's not necessarily you building a character, but still looks like it's going to be kind of insane. Um, are you excited about those two? And, and, and what else do you think that you would want from software to make in the future? It's so funny because when I first saw the Sekiro trailer, I was like, oh, that's, I don't know, that's, it looks pretty cool, but it's not exactly my aesthetic. And then I remembered that I had thought that about Dark Souls, and now I'm like in love with it forever and ever and ever. <laughs> so it's probably going to do the same thing to me. I like trust FromSoft to do that now, just to make me think I won't like a thing and then have it ruin my life. Um, I think I'm excited about it from a gameplay perspective because like, I do really enjoy games where you have a lot of mobility and it looks like they've actually, you know, you can like grappling hook onto stuff and like climb up on roofs and whatnot. And like vaguely reminded me a bit of having played Dishonored a handful of years ago where, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. just like jumping around and finding clever ways to get around stuff or to surprise stuff was a big, big deal in that game. And I really loved it. So hopefully a little bit of that in Souls game will make me very happy um i don't know like i I don't know what i want it feels like what's what's the word presumptuous to like want something from FromSoft because they've just surprised me with all the things they've made and and so like kind of just want to be surprised again um i part of my soul wants bloodborne too but i also don't want it at the same time because to me bloodborne's like this perfect thing and i just would change nothing about it um yeah i don't know i don't know just keep making stuff and ruining me (laughs) bloodborne 2 is such a such a monkey's paw wish of a game like i i can't help but want more bloodborne because i like bloodborne so much but also yes i I just do you know i just i just don't want to go back to that world though like i i don't know like i i don't want them to do like a direct sequel like i don't want them to do yeah i i feel like it's so perfectly self-contained and interesting that like i don't want to sequelitis it up like it, it would the potential to make it less of what it is is high i think and it would be absurdly difficult not to to muddy original bloodborne at least a little even if it, like bloodborne 2 was very very good mm-hmm. so i'm like really really like ambivalent about it but i don't know I would still play it. But watch me, you know, scream out when I see a Bloodborne 2 trailer drop. Oh, yeah. Like watch E3, me, like, melt right? into a puddle <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> I, actually I, cry. <laughs> I can be both things at once. I have that that capability inside it's of true. me. true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's like with the Final Fantasy VII remake. Like, on one hand, I'm like, I don't know that I need it. But at the same time, like you said, like, when the E3 trailer went up a couple years ago, 
I like froze, just froze. And I was like, oh my God, they're doing it. This is so weird. I can't imagine that. As someone who never uh, played Final Fantasy VII in that time period, uh, it's all of the the stuff around that game is so confusing to me. Like I get it. Like like it's a JRPG and like people really, really fell in love with it and that chick died. But uh, like as someone that was totally on the outside, like when people can just get hugely excited for this remake, I'm like, ah, sure. I'm hope you're, I hope you like it. Like I hope it's good. I know it's not a Souls game, but I'm worried because uh, it's just like one of those things where it's like, oh, we all played that when we were 12, and there's no way that our tastes were actually refined then. So. <laughs> I went back because they did that PS4 release, and uh, mm-hmm. they they basically just let you cheat your way through it. Like you can you can speed it up to like 10x the normal time, and you can just have unlimited limit breaks and like unlimited HP nice. or whatever. Like, so I, I was just kind of blitzing through it like that. And uh, I was having a good time. Like it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting game. It's got an interesting setting, uh, but I just, I was doing it for a stream and then I got like distracted and didn't finish it. So yeah, one day I will yeah. go back to the adventures of Claude, which is what I named the main character. So Claude, <laughs> Claude Striff. <laughs> I'm a, I'm, we talked about this throughout the the podcast a, f- a couple of times, but uh, a question that I always like to ask is how do you think the From Software games or the Souls games, Bloodborne, whatever, has changed you either as a person or as a gamer? Can can you do you think you could expand on that just a little bit more for us? Oh man. Uh <laughs> like I said, I've become a lot more obnoxious. Uh <laughs> in so many ways. And so like, oh my god. Uh, this is a so difficult to answer just because of like I think about exactly what this year has been for me having played these games and it's just like I'm not the same <laughs> I've become a monster I am Gascoin but um <laughs> I don't know like I said it actually like on one small factor like I said it sort of reignited me like having this sort of like side hobby of drawing just because I I can't stop like just wanting to to engage with these characters and draw them and and have fun with that um, I think like it's actually sharpened my sensibilities in game design a little bit. Like I, I know, having thought so hard about like what I expected the Souls games to be and what they actually are, um, from everything from just like mechanical design to level design and you know setting and tone, um, I just feel a little bit more well versed in being able to speak to those things, you know, for my job and whatnot. Um, although I think there's a tweet. A while ago that went back that went around that was like a jar that said five dollars every time someone references dark souls and now i feel like that at work like <laughs> i'm the reason that you would make a joke like that sure but yeah anyway that's okay because everyone at work likes dark souls too so excellent yeah that's that's the good place to be where you can have those conversations because i think everybody who gets into the games like has that inside of them like they just want to and that's what, that's what that's what a good video game does. That's what a good like mm-hmm. anything does, right? Like it just makes you want to talk about it and experience it over and over again. So, well, awesome, Devin. Thank you very much for for getting up early on a on a Saturday morning and and guesting with me. This has been a great podcast. I'll get up as early as any I'll any time to ramble about these stupid hell games that <laughs> ruined my life. Just schedule a pot of coffee to be delivered right to your right to your door, right next to your laptop, and yes. then. <laughs> Um, someone will actually listen to me talk about this game there oh yeah yeah you should um like the 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 little small community that i've i've made around this podcast that i, I say i made that people have made because they they love dark souls so much uh is, is such a great place to be like everyone is just really in love with the series and it's not like a, a get good kind of thing so definitely i think you'll find a bunch of people to rant to on twitter so. <laughs> yes excellent <laughs>
Well, thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, no problem at all. Thank you. Uh, if people want to track down your um, all of your work, where should they go look? Um, I am at Devin Geel, D-E-V-O-N-G-I-E-H-L on Twitter. Um, and that's where I post literally most of my stuff, uh, both professional and personal. Mostly personal. I, I, you can watch me make a fool of myself like crying about Soler and Alfred on the regular basis on my Twitter, <laughs> if that's what you want. I do. I that, that, that is what I'm going to be looking for. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, professionally, I'm a staff writer and co-producer on a show called The Dragon Prince on Netflix. Um, it's nine episodes long. It's a fantasy series, sort of like a young adult uh, thing. Um, check it out. Love, love you to all watch it and watch the end credits because there's a Dark Souls reference in one. <laughs> Keep an eye out for that. I'm a... a- I've seen the first episode so far, and I really, really liked it. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to, to going through the rest of it. So. That's awesome. I hope yeah. you like the rest of it. My husband and I wrote the fourth and seventh episodes. So okay, either yell at us or say things to us about those ones. Sure. Yeah. Don't don't yell or say say nice things to people that make stuff because it's hard to make stuff. I worked it right. I've I've been yelled at. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, League of Legends is kind of has has that reputation. So. Well, thank, oh thank you again for guesting. This has been absolutely great. Thank you so much. This is delightful. I'm so happy that this exists. Like, this this is what I kind of just wanted. It's just people rambling and gushing about those games. It's wonderful. Uh, thank, well, this is this is the podcast for you then, because it's, 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 it's a, you know, 200 hours or so of just that. <laughs> Um, as always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has links to all of the previous episodes and also various ways to support the show. If you haven't done it recently, uh, giving us an Apple podcast or iTunes review really, really helps us out. Uh, I would really appreciate it if you do that. There's also a Patreon. And if you want to put a skelly on your belly, uh, you can buy a Don't Give Up Skeleton t-shirt. And there's links to that at the website. We'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then, remember, don't give up, skeleton. And that's it. Cool. That was a blast. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. it. This was such a good conversation.